4: Live
0: presented by Kaleida
4: Health. All right, here we are on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you back on the TV side as well as the radio side. One Bills Live is the show. Happy to have you with us as we begin to turn the page from Wild Card playoff weekend to divisional playoff weekend. And we'll get to some of the details we wish to discuss. Oh, yeah. so Wave hi to them. I was. I was nice, waiting Good the job, camera, Steve. For our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what we want to discuss today in due course here. Uh, I do want to review, though, Steve, and, and I found, you know, some Coach McDermott was doing his Monday press conferences like he does all the time on Zoom with the media after games. So did Leslie Frazier. So did Ken Dorsey, the O.C. And, you know, there were some interesting comments from each of them. The one that kind of left people wondering what could happen as the week moves on. Micah Hyde was uh, deemed to not be an option for a return this week, and Coach McDermott had said as much last Friday. He reiterated it it yesterday, easy for me to say. And then he was also asked about the potential availability of Jamison Crowder, and he said, I don't know what that is yet. I would I would imagine he was expecting to be asked about Micah, so he made sure he had, you know, the updated medical situation on him, and he will not be part of the equation or added to the active roster this week for the divisional playoff game against Cincinnati. But he did not yet know what the situation was concerning Jamison Crowder, which would at least, you know, we don't want to assume, but it would seem to lend credence to the possibility that the door could be open a crack for Jamison Crowder this week. I mean, we don't know anything, but he's practiced practiced last week. We're assuming he'll be practicing again this week, as both he and Micah Hyde had their 21-day practice windows opened uh, last week, and they have 21 days to make a decision on those two. But that would be an interesting development to a receiving core that has already Uh, had a new permanent addition in terms of the active roster with Cole Beasley being added to the active roster this past week, which now gives them five receivers on the active roster. We'll see if Isaiah McKenzie can come back from the hamstring injury that kept him out of last week's game. He would be the fifth. And then if Jamison Crowder is added, you're back up to six, which is where you were every week for each of the previous two seasons. So, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't know if it will happen, but it hasn't been ruled out, well, I guess you can say.
5: We started this season knowing we were feeling like the Bills were really in a good spot with their wide receiver room with Crowder, McKenzie, Davis, Diggs, Sha- um, Shakir, Kumaro. Kumaro, Um Hodgins was still here then yep. as well. I mean, they had, they had some guys, and and the problem was, and we had a couple of discussions like this, like, ah, "Well, what are they going to do? I mean, who they, you know, who's going to be up and down, and that kind of thing." They're they're back at the same spot. The the problem is, in in my opinion, Crowder hasn't played much. We don't know correct. We don't even know what we've got in Crowder. At this point. hard to point. drop
4: him into a playoff game, he even though he's in. a veteran. He hasn't played since I think week four or five. That's right. And then you've got. Yeah, the Baltimore game he got Then hurt.
5: you've got Khalil Shakir, who is actually creshen- in, on a crescendo, in my opinion, right? He's kind of coming trending on. Trending up. Trending up. So is Beasley. He's trending up. So is Gabe Davis. He's trending up. Um, And Diggs is right where he's always been, right at the top. I don't know why you're going to throw a wrench into that. Yeah. Uh, particularly since in the last your last four games, you've scored 30-plus points in all of them. Two of which were against the Dolphins. Two of which were against the Dolphins, and one of which was a playoff game. So, yeah, okay, it's great. They're available and all that, but I don't know if, you know, if there's room right now. Yeah. And if there is, who sits? Right. Because there's nobody off in that roster last week with all those guys catching balls. You know, Beasley's touchdown, Shakir's enormous catches that he made, mm-hmm. Diggs, Davis, I mean, all those guys, they were crazy. Killer catches that you gotta have, I and mean, you can sit one of those guys down now, yeah, I mean it's hard
4: for me that was my biggest takeaway from Sunday's game was the fact that the guys behind Diggs in the receiving pecking order made big contributions, most notably when Miami decided we're not going to let Diggs beat us anymore in the second half the way he did in the first half, and they made adjustments defensively. So it was on the rest of the receiving core to make some hay, and they did. Davis has a touchdown. Beasley has a touchdown. Shakir makes a couple of big plays. Um, Dawson knocks, obviously. So that was, that was the biggest thing to come out of the game for me because it wasn't just guys chipping in here or there. They were making big plays. Yeah, there was big and, moments. And I think that that makes Buffalo a little bit more difficult to prepare for for Cincinnati this week where they just can't focus all their attention on digs and say, okay, we're good. You know, maybe in the red zone we worry about Knox a little bit because he's on a little bit of a scoring streak. But, you know, other than that, we'll be fine. I don't think that's what the game tape from last week from the Bills is is telling the Bengals right now. I think it's telling a very different story, which I think is a good thing going forward. So that's what's encouraging. Um, Right. And that's where we are. So – We'll see. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Don't upset – you know, don't break it if it's not – or don't try to fix it if it's not broken, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, And maybe they do wait. So that's kind of how I view it. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what what comes of it. I'm
5: sure he'll get – It's going to be an interesting week not only for the Bills, and I think at this point for most Bills fans, you're kind of looking at the Bengals to see, you know, what's their deal, Um, most notably with their offensive line. They got three starters that couldn't finish the game. Two of them were out for the game, and one, the third one, their left tackle, Jonah Williams, couldn't finish the game. That's an enormous issue for a team without Von Miller, who needs a pass rush in this game. So um, we're going to be watching that on their side. Getting a chance to have Crowder back in the lineup, I don't know if that moves the needle for the Bengals at all. When you know when they've got Diggs and Davis, McKenzie and Beasley to worry about. Um, along with Cook and Singletary, so I and and Knox, I mean the list goes on. So it's this game is really interesting. There's going to be a gazillion people watching this game because of the Monday night game that happened when Demar went down and got hurt, uh, and now that he's back um, around, it's and and doing well. It everything's different, and it's also in Buffalo. I mean, every, I know mean, it's a standalone game. All four of these games are going to be standalone games this weekend. But, man, oh, man, there's going to be a gazillion people watching this game in, in the U.S. Yeah, no uh, question. Um, this is really going to be interesting to see how what happened on Monday night, how that affects both teams, the added fuel to the fire that Cincinnati has for now having to come to Buffalo after the dis, the decision was made. That they're going to get, they're going to have to play Buffalo in Buffalo, and Buffalo gets the two seed, not the three seed, and vice versa. And that this game wasn't on a neutral site like the championship game is going to be for Buffalo, Kansas City. Um, you know, and Cincinnati's got a legitimate beef about that. I, they're the ones who are standing there going, well, "Come on, you know, we're the only team that beat both those, or they can say they beat us, but you know, we're the only team that had a chance to beat both those teams. We beat Kansas City just like Buffalo did." Yeah. Um, can they say they beat us? They didn't really do that. No, they didn't. But they can't say that. No, they can't say that. But that's the thought for them. They they had the, they felt good about their chances at home getting that done. If they do, you know, then this game happens in Cincinnati. So there's a lot of fuel on the fire for Cincinnati playing the nobody, you know, they're up against us kind of card that fuels players. Right. Cincinnati's got boatloads of motivation of the of that finger-quote disrespect motivation. And they got a beef. There's no question about it. They're the guys that, you know, got the knife in the back through the whole um adjusting of the schedule. So that's going to be on the table. It's going to be here in Buffalo. Uh the home crowd's going to help all of that, but man oh man, what a what a scene it's going to be this Sunday. Um eight teams left and all four games are being played Saturday Sunday. It's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah.
4: Uh, looking at how the bills, you know, kind of get ready for this one. I know you and I touched on this yesterday and both Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier were asked the very thing we were discussing in their press conferences with the media, which was you had a game plan all set to go for the Bengals three weeks ago. How much of that are you bringing into this game? Cause you basically played half a quarter of football. There's no way your whole plan was unveiled. I mean, the, the offense had one possession, and the defense was on the field for a possession and a half, essentially, before the game was stopped. So Coach Dorsey said you can look at some of the things that maybe you wanted to implement, but the roster's, figure to be a little bit different from what they were three weeks ago. The Bengals injuries on the offensive line being a notable part of that equation. Um, You know, Cole Beasley wasn't on the active roster for the bills at the time. Uh, So things change week to week. And Dorsey wasn't a hundred percent certain as to how much carryover you could have with three weeks gone by. Leslie Frazier was of the same mindset he said, while we may get a little bit of a head start because of all the work we just did three weeks ago, it's we're not going in with an identical game plan. We have to tweak and right. change some things based on what's happened yeah, with their football team and what's happened with our
5: football team the last in that, few weeks. Early on in that game, both offenses were cutting through them. Yeah. I mean, Josh and company went down, had an incompletion to Beasley going in uh, that gave them the field goal try and, and the. Bengals, you know, they didn't take a hiccup either. They they went down the field, scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and had a nice couple of plays, um, a nice couple of plays to begin their second drive before Demar Demar's incident happened. Uh-huh. So both these clubs offensively felt like they were humming to start that game, and I would think they're going to pick up, try and pick up right where they left off. I mean, this these two quarterbacks, they're they're different, but you know, everything everything comes from them on for both these clubs, both offensively and defensively. It's it's going to be something to see. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I, the rosters at this point of the season, you would think are set. in, you know, back in the back in the old days, all the rosters were like granite. I now mean, you may as well chisel them in week one into a piece of rock, and that's you could have it for the pro as your program the entire season. Nowadays, there's man it. It changes week to week vastly. And the Bills have had to jump through those hoops to do that. You know, they're still – they do it even now they're doing it. So with Crowder and Micah Hyde, I don't remember a time when we've had to monitor rosters this late in the season the way we're doing these days. Not just for the Bills and Bengals, but for all the teams. Yeah, and it's the due playoffs. in
4: part to the expanded practice squad, the looser roster rules in terms right. of practice squad elevations. Those are unlimited in the in the postseason. You know, you can have two, and those players aren't limited by a number of elevations, which during the regular season is capped at three. So, yeah, there is more roster flexibility now than ever before, brought on in part by the COVID pandemic back in 2020 when. They knew they had to make rosters more flexible to ebb and flow with potential COVID team outbreaks and things like that. And then I think a lot of GMs around the league are like, wow, this, this makes things a lot easier getting to game day in a 17 game season. So right. let's keep it yeah, right. <laughs> and they have, yeah. so yeah, that's, and, and I'll, I think a lot of coaches are probably happy about that as well because you know, we hear them talk all the time about player availability and, when you have a bigger practice squad and you yeah. have more roster flexibility, you're not hamstrung by
5: lack of player availability due to injury. It is an enormous benefit. Not only, and I don't want to get you know too philosophical or, but people want to see good guys play and they want to see them play well. And you get a chance with these rosters, the way they are for people to get exposed to way more guys down the line in the roster than they normally would have. You, you know, like I said, back, way back in the day, it was, you know, you'd have maybe, what, 16 guys play any length, any amount of offensive yeah. snaps in a season. 16 guys. And then on same thing on the defense. You may have a nickelback, and that's about it. And maybe rotate one defensive end pass rush guy. That's it. It was set in stone. You had, like, literally, there were 32 guys who really played. Now – over the course of the season, you'll have 30 on both sides of the ball with rosters and injuries yeah, and ups take, and downs, yeah. role play, you know, wholesale personnel changes. It's amazing. So people get used to seeing more and more different names on the field and contributing in different ways. And I think it's better, the league's better for it. And you get guys who do some things really, really well, and you get a chance to witness that. You get a chance to see them on the field. I think it's better for the game. It's better for these guys. The load is less on them, and they can stay healthy, and you can watch them deeper into the season rather than losing a guy in week three and you never see him again until next September. So it's way better now than it's ever been, and part of the reason is because they've they've given the GMs and head coaches and all these flexibility with their roster, given more bodies to work with and given more guys, guys like me, a, a chance to contribute. And they're highly motivated to do it. This
4: week's game sponsor is Northtown. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown, the official automotive dealer of the Buffalo Bills. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Time for us to go around the NFL, which is presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And the divisional round playoff schedule is now finalized after the Dallas Cowboys convincing victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The final was thirty-one to fourteen, and it wasn't even that close. As Dak Prescott throws five touchdowns in the game, guy was on fire.
5: On fire. He was actually. I think him. he only threw. I'll say four this because didn't he run one in? Uh, yes, he had a boot. He load. ran one in. So uh, I think I'll he, say only, he had this. five total the touchdowns. The thing about the thing four of, passing touchdowns. Yeah, threw threw for four, ran for one, and I'll say this. And, he, and I know, maybe it's scar tissue from my youth, but man, oh man, nobody front runs like the Cowboys. <laughs> Those guys, nobody you just want to, you just makes like you want to hit them with a ball bat, you know? Well, I mean, it's why they're hated. And and one of the things about it too is, um, happens every time you see Dallas Cowboys play, they show the owner's box a lot. Jerry oh, Jones yeah. and his family, and they're happy, and, and it's, and let's face it, it's been a long time since they've been able to taste victory in the playoffs. And they got it last night in a big way, beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and beat them soundly. It was not close. Speaking of Tom Brady, he says there is no timetable on his decision for his
4: football future after the Bucks were eliminated from the playoffs last night. He is set to become a free agent. His remarks at the postgame lectern were interesting, though, when he wrapped it up, basically know. thanking the media for all their support and interest and covering the team and... It, it, I don't know. It it sounded a little bit like a farewell speech to a certain extent.
5: Yeah, I'm, I mean, he
4: didn't. I'm, I don't think he did
5: that last year. Yeah, I was just thinking though. It does seem like uh, maybe it, it had a little bit of finality to it, but it was also I could, I've heard same thing. I, I could see another guy doing a different guy. A yeah. long time vet like Brady probably does have. Um. A little bit more awareness that hey guys, thanks it's been great. You know? it might
4: not be finality in terms of his playing career, but finality in terms of playing for
5: the Bucks. Yeah. Think, oh yeah. I think for that's sure. I could see that. That's almost a lock, I that's, think. That's right. That's fine. I yeah, yeah, but I Yeah, that had I don't think it had any bearing. I had maybe on his career with the Bucks, but I don't think it had any bearing on his future because as we said, we've seen him change his mind. So whatever he felt like last night after the game could change. As he kind of rests, takes it in and says, "Do I yeah. want to do this again I'll, I'll say this um I was on a really good team when I played, and I know a lot of guys who played with me through all of those things, including uh I've seen Marv speak to this as well, the head coach. you get to a point like Brady must have been must be at this point where he's won so much and so many big games, really big games. The losses are so devastating. And the wins don't bring you the same joy as they once did. Even the regular season wins, they don't bring you the same joy. But every loss is just soul-crushing. And I th- you, it wears you out quick. Yeah. When when you're not on the same team and the team's not as good, you're not winning this, the way you once did, uh, you have to play almost 100% perfect to win games. You're just, you are just need the same, different roster, different team. All of that stuff goes into it. It's really soul-crushing. To try and get yourself ready to play for a team in that situation, and I think Brady. After you lose like Brady did yesterday or last night, it's got to be soul crushing for a guy who's won so much, and now, you know, to get thrown back as we always say to the bottom of the mountain that you got to climb every season. Yep, it's soul crushing in that moment. So I'm for for a lot of guys that I played with, and for me, it really. Became difficult to find joy in playing and preparing, and, and then all the fun you had doing the game, um, just starts to ebb away, and you, it's never you never get it back. Yeah, I can see Brady in a place where he might be kind of there on a day like today, obviously, um, but I don't know. I he still plays better quarterback than well, a lot of guys in yeah. at the bottom half of the. Race. He's not a, he's not a top two or three quarterback anymore. That's oh, for no. sure, right? I mean. No. he He's just not the there. The skills
4: are eroding.
5: I, I noticed that as well. When you see him throw the football and it doesn't go right into the guys, right where the guy needs it, that's not Tom Brady, and, yeah. and that's not what we saw last night.
4: The other thing that came out of that game was Cowboys kicker Brett Maher missed four extra points, the most in NFL history in a playoff game, and this guy has been pretty solid. All season long, I think all season he had three PAT misses the entire season. Well, he's he has hitting four. like ninety-one percent of his place kicks. He hit. Two. I know he's had a solid season. Really he good missed season. four last night, and you could tell after the second one, the guy had the yips. After that, I mean, he's overcompensating on the third one. He hooks it after pushing two to the right. It was it was a rough go, and I saw Ross Tucker tweet this, and I I was in the exact same place. I was miserable, not only for that guy, (laughs) not only for that guy, but think about his family, like his wife, his kids. They're wondering if the guy's going to have a job next week. I mean, you're going to play the Niners. That's going to be a much tighter game than this one was. If he doesn't show he's got that fixed in practice on Wednesday, they might be rolling guys in on Thursday.
5: My son held for kicks for that guy in Hamilton for the, okay. in the CFL. Great dude. He's, he knows him well. And my son was sick yeah. last night watching him, just feeling bad for you. He texted He's like, oh, my gosh, because that's his boy, right? Yeah. And just watching the kid kick, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. I've seen a guy have a rough stretch where he'll go one, you know, miss one or two Miss one of two and then miss two field goals. That, you know, kind of a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never seen anything like that, ever. And there is, because the ball was popping off his leg. I mean, he still had a, a, the ball jumped when he hit it. The holds were fine. As far as anybody could tell, the laces were perfect. The ball was there. And he just missed. And that is proof positive for those of you who don't play sports. It's all between your ears. Yeah. It's all between your ears. There is no other way to put that. That is, that is something that is a mindset and nothing else. The, the
4: thing that is so amazing, particularly about kickers, that you see go through that, is they have done that leg.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
6: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Swing hundreds of thousands of times, right? at the very least tens of thousands. I mean, it is pretty much etched as motor memory in a kicker's brain, and yet something Crawls in there and can mess it up, even though your body could probably do that swing in your sleep. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's so uncanny how that how that doubt can creep in I would be so interested. quickly,
5: especially for a professional. Right. Yeah, I would I would be interested to see if and wonder if if Maher had if he had like a sore ankle, sore shoulder, sore wrist, and you think why is a wrist or an ankle or a shoulder And and I'll say this. In, and this is, my, this is my life philosophy about pain. I've told you this. When you, you see a guy limping, and you think, wow, that guy must be really hurting. Well, quite the opposite is true. When he limps, he does that so he doesn't hurt. Yeah. You See what I'm saying? He's walking with a limp so he won't hurt. When you have a body motion, like you're swinging a golf club or kicking a ball or doing that, and you have an ache, and your body will swing and do that motion that you've done 100,000 times right. in a way that's pain-free because you'll, it's a limp. But it wasn't. It doesn't manifest itself when you walk. It manifests itself when you do that thing—that golf swing, that leg swing, whatever it is, climbing stairs, whatever. So if he had an ache somewhere in his body that his body was compensating for, it, he would swing through and it would feel normal because his body was "quote unquote" limping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'd be really interested to see what he felt like physically. Because if you—if your shoulder, if you got, an, if you're a kicker and you're Left shoulder blade is aching, nobody cares, right? But if they knew that it was going to affect your swing, yeah, maybe they would.
4: That's exactly what happened to Ryan Lindell when he was the kicker here. He covered a kick, he had to make a tackle, he got injured, and the next two weeks were a little bit of an adventure for him kicking yeah. because on his swing, that thing's like sending a shooting pain down his spine. I was saying... It'll make you
5: grip a little bit. I held... I was a holder for Steve Christie. We went over, Bruce Haven. Steve Christie, Adam Linger. We all go over, and we're going to kick field goals in the stadium on a day. And So we're over there, and I'm holding. Everything's going fine. Steve's... Everything is outside, is wide right. Steve Christie, not Scott Norwood. So everything, every kick... And he can't, he's like this, and they're talking. Bruce is like, well, maybe you know, they're talking, having all these conversations. And Steve goes, oh, he goes, oh, and Steve goes, oh, I know what it is. He goes, what? He goes, my left ankle's been bothering me. My left ankle's sore. And Bruce, you know, Bruce, what? The the special heck? teams coach. He's got steam going. Like, you got to tell me that. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> so they, that's what does it. You got a sore left ankle. You're going to kick. He says that doesn't bother me. I'm still going to kick. But it it affects the kick yeah. in a way. You know, you kick pain free, no matter what. You swing pain free, but you got to know, you got to trust it that it's not going to go where you think it's going to go, and you got to play it. So I, maybe Maher had that last night for the Cowboys. Maybe he did have some pain somewhere that was affecting his ability to kick smooth. But let's face it, he was compensating. He went right, and went left, went back to the right. He had three different. He had misses on both sides.
4: He was spraying it everywhere. Oh
5: my gosh, it was
4: terrible. You may have also seen, if you watched the game, Buccaneers wide receiver Russell Gage taken off on a stretcher. He sustained a concussion and possible neck injury, but the good news is the reports from the hospital this morning are he has full movement of his extremities, so it looks like uh, we're getting good reports on his condition going forward. So that's good news. Then we also have the situation with sean payton who is clearly an in-demand future head coaching candidate he's done some interviews he's done some radio interviews steve saying well yeah i think the compensation for me will be a first round pick i was like wow this i mean you don't usually see that do you know what i mean no. so there he is doing interviews saying oh the compensation for me the saints are going to have to get a first round pick since they still have my contractual right rights and uh, one of his more recent interviews was with the Houston Texans for their head coach opening.
5: I'll say this too. That is, an, I think that's an enormous chilling effect on his ability to get hired. Um, you got, you read an article to me. We read that article to uh, about you know the Chargers and people who have covered them for years and years. They just don't believe that the Chargers. Would be in a position to pay four times the going rate for a first-time head coach that they would have to pay to get Sean yeah. Payton. Now Payton's won a, a, a Super Bowl. He's won one Super Bowl, right? Uh, but I don't. I think there are there's a, a maybe more than a handful of teams where he's off the table. Well,
4: he's interviewing with the Broncos today because we know the Penner Group, and the Walton Group who own the Broncos said they're going to spare no expense. And we know they got deep pockets after paying, what was it, almost $5 billion? $4.6 yeah, almost $5 billion for the Broncos. So he is interviewing with the Broncos today. And they
5: fired their head coach from last year with a five-year deal that they still got to pay out. I mean, that was they, a
4: first-time head coach, probably not as much money as what Peyton's going to cost them. And they're going to have to part with a first-round pick. Yeah. Which I don't know that they have. Now that I'm thinking about it, they gave it to the Seattle Seahawks. For Russell. Yeah, so the early... Actually, I think they might have given him two. So they might not have a first-round pick to give the Saints until 2025. And then they
5: they become the Rams without the guys in return, yeah. Um, Mm. yeah, We'll see. But Sean Payton is a a hot commodity. People are very high on him. Um, It was even rumored that Jerry Jones wanted him badly to be the coach of the Cowboys. And now, you know, Mike McCarthy is... Probably solidified his spot. It's probably good for next night. year, Probably anyway. good for this next year, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting, but we're going to have to keep an eye on all the you know, coaching, there's coaching openings. There's five coaching openings
4: right now, yeah. so they're going to get filled here in
5: short order. Usually, there's more. Well, that's
4: right. You're right. We did see the Chargers fired their OC today, Joe Lombardi, along with their quarterback's coach. So, some change there in L.A., and we understand why. You're up 27 to nothing and in the second half the Chargers threw 28 passes and ran the ball five times with a 27-point lead. They did exactly what the Atlanta Falcons did in the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. The same thing. <laughs> Run some clock for God's sake. You
5: folks folks feed home. I'm suffering through Brownie's disdain for what the how the Chargers blew a 27-point lead and then uh, Joey Boza absolutely vilified the official. Oh, get, he was
4: blaming that. He'll you, get. He'll get. A, you want to talk about misplaced man? You yeah. lost the game. You lost the game. Like they called penalties on, and I don't blame know
5: why. Yeah. the refs. You were up twenty-seven, bro. Yeah, they were looking great. Four interceptions in the first half for Trevor Lawrence, and from that point on, two, two minutes left in the first half through the end of the game, Trevor Lawrence went twenty-three of twenty-six four touchdowns, brought them back and beat them and won the game. So, uh it was a it was now quite here, the game. Yeah.
4: Now here's the thing, before I know we got to get to break with the
5: Jaguars.
4: After you expended all that energy and had such an emotional victory and a comeback, aren't you worried like they they got nothing in Spent. the tank to play the Chiefs this week? I'm worried they got like nothing in the tank to play the Chiefs. No. I mean, maybe they do.
5: And I'm over analyzing that, but well, they got a coach who knows what it's like. Yeah, you know, so he'll be able to get the most out of him. Pe- Peterson will be the. I don't know. Do you, here's the thing. I mean, I, I get it because we've got a lot of we got a lot of scar tissue playing Kansas City in Kansas City. But um, I don't know it, if you get to if the Bills are fortunate enough to get to the AFC Championship game. Let me just tell you. No matter who it is, you're going to be really worried yeah. sick about them, whether it's the Jaguars or the Chiefs. And our crack and the sta- same thing for those teams. They're going to be worried yeah. sick whether it's the Bengals or the Bills.
4: And our crack staff in the control room just reminded us the Broncos do have a first-round pick from the Dolphins for the Bradley-Chubb trade. It's the 49ers' first-round pick through the Dolphins and <laughs> given to them for Bradley-Chubb. So the Broncos do have a first-round draft choice to give to the Saints if they want to – hire Peyton as their head coach. So there you go. We are going to take a break here, but we're going to take your phone calls when we come back. As we are asking you today, is there a part of Buffalo's game that still hasn't peaked in your estimation? Is there some ceiling to reach for some part of Buffalo's game. Could be offense, could be defense, could be special teams. You tell us at 803 0550 1 888 550 2550, the number to get on board. Open lines for you there. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at 1 Bills Live. Steve and I back in a second. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to 1 Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and we're discussing with you today is there a part of Buffalo's game that still hasn't peaked? Curious to know if you have any thoughts on that. Offense, defense, special teams, everything's up for discussion. You let us know at 803 0550 1 888 550 2550. The number to get on board, got open lines for you there. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at 1 Bills Live. Leading us off today is Dick in Newfane. Dick, what do you got for us? You're on 1 Bills Live.
3: Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Listen, I- I'm just wondering about Dorsey's failure to adjust his game plan in view of all that blitzing that was going on. Uh, I mean, they they get to Josh seven times, and we throw to Heinz once. Uh, it seems to me we should have used a check down pass or a screen to help that offense out. Uh, just wondering if you guys have any thoughts on
5: that. Well, yeah, I, I, I'll say this. You scored 34 points, and I don't think there's too much wrong with it. Yeah. Um, the, one of the things you want to do, and, and some of it's probably not on Dorsey because if you go back and look at the All-22 film, like on the 52-yard pass to Diggs early in the game, he, Josh had a wide-open Cole Beasley on the right by himself with nothing but green grass around him, and the two DBs were 15 yards deeper than him backpedaling. So he would have been a catch-and-run for sure. Uh, but he went the deep route Um, don't ever think that there's no options other than going deep there always is always Um, and even if there if you even if you send four verts four vertical routes down the seams there's always a a back checking down so it's up to josh and and every quarterback to choose where he's going to throw the football so just because they kept going deep i think it was just a function that josh says listen it's there i'm taking it and it worked for a couple of times, he he threw one he threw one long one to Diggs that set up a touchdown, and then the next one got picked off down there as well. But when a team goes zero, when I say zero, there's no free safety, and all these guys are man-to-man across there. As soon as this wide receiver gets one step past the guy, he's wide open. It's hard to pass that up as a quarterback.
4: Well, especially
5: so, when you trust your guys. And... I, this thing about everybody going nuts over so many deep balls – yeah. You're going deep. I, I, do it again. If they, if the come, if the Bengals come out doing that again, you can bet they're going to do it again. Yeah. They're going to do
4: it because he wants to make them pay. But just because they're throwing deep, as Steve pointed out, doesn't mean there aren't checkdowns built into the concept of the pass play. So I would say if you have an issue with them, not taking checkdowns more that falls on Josh's decision-making. If that is your criticism If you want to talk about other things like design or not adjusting as you see it, I guess maybe you can have an argument there with the coaching decisions. But I think a lot of the time, probably more than 95% of the time, the shortcomings on the field have more to do with execution and player decision-making
5: than they do coach decision-making. Yeah, and and I'll say this, when we were talking about you know, the screen pass, we've talked a lot about the screen passes and stuff and the lack thereof over the course of the, the season, last, really. The last handful of years, not only under, yeah. under Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, but also Brian Dable, they didn't do it really well either. One of the things I, I have always thought, and I don't, I don't have any data to back this up, but this is what I think as a guy who played and what my mindset would be and what I've seen other guys' mindsets be as they play defense against players like Josh and Lamar Jackson and, Mahomes, you rush those guys, your antenna are always up because you're ready for him to pull it down and run. Uh, Josh, more so than a lot of guys, Mahomes a lot, and certainly Lamar. You're really worried about it. So screen passes tend to work less because when they're rushing the passer, they're kind of keeping an eye out for him doing something, they kind of feel – the back and the tight end, and all those guys releasing, and they get a sense a better sense because their ears aren't back there's just nothing's happening. he's got to drop back and throw it deep. We know it here we go, rather than okay, he's dropping back, but what's he going to do? Is he going to run this or what, and when you're on the when you got your antenna up like that, you feel the screen pass develop, and they they snap it off, so the bills have never been really good at it because guys rush josh. Differently than they rush other quarterbacks because they're afraid he's going to pull it down and they're ready to go sideways to cut him off. So when you're doing rushing like that, you're more attuned to those nuances that tip you off to a screen pass that's coming and it's makes them hard to run. That's my two cents for the whole thing. I like that theory. Um, I've and I don't have any data about that or anything. It's maybe mobile quarterbacks run screens better for all i know but i think as a defender you know i i just you know quarterbacks like joe burrow and brady and all these guys you know they're never going to run it yeah they tend to run those screens a little better than guys like josh lamar and mahomes and those others
4: let's go to dave in niagara falls next dave what do you got for us you're on one bills live
3: Hello, Chris and Steve. Uh, thanks for letting me on. I was sure. just wondering, uh, I was watching the game,
5: you know, in the fourth and eight that Miami had it, when they threw that little flare pass out to the side, and Milano missed the tackle, but Edmonds was right there. Didn't he get blocked in the
4: back? and yeah, he did. In the first down? Yeah, yes, he did. did. They missed it. Okay, I thought I was the only one that seen it, man. No, nope. uh, I was saying it on the broadcast. <laughs> I was not happy. I was he, like, did. he got I blocked was, in the back. I
5: think it was Tyreek that got him. the it Thank wasn't you. a massive block. Okay. He, he picked his hands up like he didn't do anything. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't touch him. Yeah, he yeah, he, he did. It wasn't a devastating block, no. but it was a difference maker, I thought. Um, but yeah, you're right. Yes, Dave, you're right. Yeah, they, they missed that one. wasn't the only one
4: they missed. There were others.
5: And there's, yeah, and Miami's probably got a beef on a couple yep. of calls too. I mean, that's just, and it's easy to sit here after you. As long win as it by evens three.
4: out. As long as it's relatively even, none are so egregious that it really costs you something major.
5: For those of you who have been watching this stuff closely, Joey Bosa of the, of the Chargers just absolutely vilified the officiating crew that finished their game. Yeah. He was livid uh, and got a penalty thrown on him as he walked off the field by the official. Because he, he threw his helmet on the guy. And he also... Um,
6: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the marketer, Fighter. Crick Responsibly, beer
2: imported by Crownley Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
5: Spoke to the to the media, and he was yeah still hot. He was very upset, and so uh, I don't. I think it's misplaced, but I get it. Believe me, I've been there. So yeah, and, and so you're not alone, Dave. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the phones
4: and to Mike in Amherst next. What do you got for us, Mike?
3: Hey guys, um, I just wanted to say uh, to answer one of your questions you were asking. Um, what part of the Bills team can peak. Um, I was at the game on Sunday and it was the first game I'd been to in a couple of years. And it really kind of recalibrated the way I look at the talent of the defense. You know, when you watch the game on TV, you miss a lot of what goes on. And I was so impressed with Elam and Hoyer and white. I mean, you don't get to see all those little battles that go on in the game and they shut Hill and waddle down. I mean, This is, I'm stating the obvious, but Edmonds is just an absolute savage. I mean, blowing guys up, open field tackles, reading the plays. Milano, we know what he does. Um, I was just so impressed with the defense, and I think I want to remind my fellow Bills Mafia that we are exactly where we're supposed to be. Um, This team is who we thought they were, and um, I'm optimistic about them. I'm not surprised the Dolphins played us tough. They always do. And um, really my biggest takeaway was just how great our defense has been playing. And I really do think they have the ability to peak. I'll hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Thank okay. you. Okay,
4: Thanks for the call, Mike. Good call there.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's fun when you're at the game. Cause you can kind of zero in on a matchup that you want to watch. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not beholden to what the TV
5: cameras are showing you at I, the site. I thought, and some of it probably was, you know, Skylar Thompson. True. But I thought, I thought the defensive backfield played maybe their best game in a while against Waddle and Hill. Um, Certainly they gave up some plays, as you would expect. Everybody's going to make plays against you at some point. But, man, oh, man, I thought they really did a nice job against those guys and played their best. I thought Kyrie Elam um, was almost a completely different player than he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And it showed.
4: He was really good. Um, Tredavious was good in coverage. Um, you really saw Kairi Elam's elite athletic traits on display in that game. People ask, why is he a first-round pick? You saw it on Sunday, running step for step with Tyreek Hill on an 18-yard comeback route. There might be about eight corners in the league that can do
5: that. Yeah, it, I mean, he's one of them. Yeah. And, and Tyreek and Jalen Watt- Waddle had – some opportunities and early on they got the Bills were beneficiaries of drops in that game. Yeah. And as were the as were the Dolphins at certain times with Bills drops. But uh I like I said, I thought their defensively the Bills played extremely well in the back end with Milano and Edmonds and the defensive backs. I'd still like to see more from the pass rush. Uh, their run defense was very good though and I think it's going to be interesting to see because I, I think at this point with the guys that are hurt with Cincinnati that the Cincinnati def- offensive line is not going to be as good as the Dolphins' offensive line was yeah, uh, because of the injuries that has beset the Bengals. So we'll see if the Bills can make more hay in their pass rush up front and help those guys in the back a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I do think Mike from Amherst was right. The defense was fun to watch a little bit. This last week, and although you know Miami got some breaks with some short fields because of the turnovers and the fumble recovery touchdown, yeah, they played really well against them. Break
4: time for us here, but more of your phone calls when we return. It's One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. It was such a hit last week, the Bills are bringing it back. If you don't have tickets yet to Sunday's playoff game against the Bengals, enter for a chance for tickets. And get a unique tailgate experience for you and five friends in Highmark Stadium's Igloo Village. Brought to you by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York. Three winners will each win six tickets, plus a heated, furnished igloo to tailgate it. You can enter by visiting buffalobills.com forward slash igloo sweeps. Good luck. Yeah, it was pretty popular last week, so I'm out there. Very nice. Yeah. We want to get back to the phones at 803-0550. 1-888-550-2550. One eight 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 550 Is there a part of Buffalo's game that still hasn't peaked? Let us know what you think. We lead off this segment with Steve in Michigan. What do you got for us, Steve?
2: Hey, guys. And, and I don't know two people who are better equipped to answer this question. And, and, no, I don't think portions of the team have peaked yet. But I'll start it with asking you this question. You've seen McDermott for six years now at press conferences. On, uh, after the game, he did something I've never seen him done before, unless you have, which is call out a coordinator during the conference. And the words were, yeah, Dorse would have liked a couple of those back. You'll, you'll hear him talk about players, certainly like that, because it's execution, and they're against other professionals, and they're trying to execute. So McDermott could say, yeah, Josh would like a couple of those back. But it was interesting that he said it about Dorsey. So I'm going to ask about gamesmanship. Because I, I don't think McDermott would ever call out a coordinator, especially in a playoff game presser. We know there's gamesmanship. you run certain plays to set up other plays, um, uh, disguising uh, coverages and blitzes. But is there gamesmanship on a, a, a different level, a, a deeper level where the Bills would even be attempting to show or not show uh something to future opponents here, uh, even against Miami where they're still withholding things. I mean, I, I believe that the whole key to their passing offense has been the lack all season of an effective slot and, and, and Crowder wasn't flashy, but he was great. And it hurt when we lost him and, you know, hopefully back because I think the slot makes, makes it so much smoother, but now with, with uh, 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 Shakir and, and, and Cole and, playing such as they are, are, are is your gamesmanship in a game-to-game situation? That, that's the 15-minute the, the way of asking my question.
4: All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, what say you, Steve? Gamesmanship.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Every That's why coaches are so reticent to talk to the press and give any substantive information during the week. Uh, and that certainly applies to post-game comments. That applies to what they do say, and what they don't say. So yeah, I'm sure Sean McDermott didn't say any, probably anything by accident. Um, yeah, absolutely. They're very they're very conscious of how they come across the media and what other team what information other teams can glean from their words. I thought it was a little strong in saying calling him out. I don't know if I would have. Yeah, I don't
4: think it, that's the I don't know if I would have painted it that way. I was there. Coach McDermott was asked about the three and out series where Josh threw two deep balls down the left sideline. And then I can't even remember the third down play, but they didn't get the first down. They had to punt. And, you know, they still had the lead at that time. They didn't run any time off the clock. And obviously, they didn't move the sticks once. And the defense was back on the field. And I think that was when Coach McDermott said, Ken might want to have a couple of those calls back. So, to me, I think that was just McDermott's way of agreeing with the question, with the questioner saying, "Yeah, we probably could have done a little bit better there." To me, that's not really throwing:
5: Yeah, I, I calling think anybody out. In the context of what I'm thinking I heard, I think it's more like this. He's saying, "I wish Ken, I think Ken would like to have a couple of those back because he didn't want to give Josh the option to go 9,000 yards over the top every time." Yeah, he would probably call a different play, so Josh wouldn't take the low percentage completion opportunity, take the easy completion for the first. That's more what he's doing. It's not about it wasn't about Ken at all. It wasn't about Dorsey at all. It's about Josh. You want to take those plays back, so to take that gamble off Josh's choice list. You know, give him a an easy completion rather than even the option to throw for a sixty five yard touchdown pass. So I think that's as much of what he's saying in that situation as anything about Ken Dorsey. I think when when you start calling about plays, it's not so much about the play as to how they're going to execute it and what you know about the guys that are executing it. And when you give Josh that deep ball in that situation, yeah, he takes it a little too often. You should know that about him, so you take that option off his plate. And I think that's where you know Sean would say, you know, wish Dorse would have. I'm sure Dorsey would take those back or one of those back. We have to
4: take a break here. When we come back, our number two will begin with pro football Focus, NFL and lead draft analyst Michael Renner He's going to be joining us here on the show. Stay tuned for that. It's One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. This
0: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.